This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. Today, we'll be discussing combination biologic therapies for ulcerative colitis with Barthi Kochar, Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School, about her summary in the October 2023 issue of EBGI. Now, this is titled The New Frontier of Combination Therapy for IBD, the Vega RCT. And it's her summary of a recent publication in Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology. So welcome back, Dr. Kochar. And as we always do, let's just talk about why this is an important topic for our listeners. Thank you very much for having me again. And I'm really excited to talk about this because we were all looking forward to the results of this study for quite a while. I think many people by now hopefully know about the Sonic study and the UC Success study, which were done over a decade ago. And they were really groundbreaking at that time since they showed that we could be using a biologic in combination with, uh, at that time, what was a more established therapy, an azathioprine or thiopurine type medication. And that got to better response and remission rates than using the biologic alone, both for Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And so that was the sort of setting of the stage for the combination therapy. Increasingly, we're recognizing that the modern agents we're developing may have a more favorable safety profile longitudinally than some of the more established agents like thiopurine and methotrexate. And we have a proliferating armamentarium of biologic agents, especially for the treatment of inflammatory bowel diseases. So we now have two anti-interleukins approved. We have betalizumab and anti-integrin, and we have four different anti-TNF agents. And also on the frontier are the small molecules in various categories. And there are certainly patients that require a combination of therapies. This is really the first prospective randomized controlled trial to look at combination biologic agents, especially for ulcerative colitis. And in you know this study, we also they they also comment on infections and malignancies, and uh, because that becomes a big safety concern. It's important to actually remember though that this is a phase two study. It's a proof of concept, and what they're looking at in this study is whether the combination of golimumab, an older anti-TNF agent that's been approved for a while, plus guzalcumab, which is a selective anti-interleukin-23 antagonist, is safe and effective versus just using one of those medications alone. The other reason I really think the study is very important is that it shows that we need to be doing more active comparator studies in IBD and not just focusing on drug versus placebo because placebo is no longer the standard of care in the field. Sure. Even today, my initial approach to managing inflammatory bowel disease that's moderate to severe on presentation is to use infliximab or adalimumab plus azathioprine. I mean, that's 
what the Sonic study showed us and what UC Success showed us that you combine anti-TNF with azathioprine, that's your go-to for moderate to severe patients. But now, like you said, we've got anti-integrant monoclonal antibodies like vetalizumab. We've now got interleukin antibodies like ustekinumab and rizikizumab and the small molecules like the JAK1 inhibitors, ubidacinitinib. And when patients fail that initial therapy with infliximab and azathioprine, how are we going to manage them with these other agents? Is it monotherapy or are we going to combine biologics? Because like you said, we're worried about opportunistic infections and cancer and combined to biologics might be even worse. So, you know, we definitely need to figure that out there are a couple of key points from this study I'll just mention briefly for our listeners. Now, the patients in this trial had moderate to severe ulcerative colitis. They were naive to any biologic agents. They had only received steroids and 5-ASA for the most part. A couple might have gotten vetalizumab, but they had not received other anti-TNF therapies. And as you said, they were randomized to receive an anti-TNF agent plus an anti-interleukin or anti-IL-23 monoclonal antibody combined versus monotherapy alone. And they used a modified Mayo score to assess for clinical response, meaning I think for our listeners, clinical response means improvement in symptoms, but not truly resolution of symptoms. Although clinical remission by a full Mayo score was the main secondary endpoint. They treated patients for 12 weeks. I won't go through the exact regimen. It's very complicated, and I hope our readers will look at your summary to see the specifics of the exact way it was dosed. But they were dosed for 12 weeks and then followed ultimately for a full 34 weeks of treatment so you could get a better sense of maintenance of remission as well as looking at safety side effects. And the bottom line results were that the combination therapy was better than the golimumab, which was the anti-TNF monotherapy alone for clinical response at 83% versus 61%, and also was better when you looked at clinical remission, which means pretty much resolution of your symptoms by a rate of 37% versus 21%. Now, when you looked at the combination therapy just versus the anti-interleukin antibody, Gusulcumab, then it didn't achieve statistical significance. It was 83% versus 75% for clinical response, although it just missed being significant for clinical remission versus combination therapy, where combination therapy still produced clinical remission in 37% of patients on combo, but only in 22% of patients who were just on the anti-interleukin antibody. What's important in particular is that in terms of the other endoscopic and histologic endpoints, patients who were getting the combination therapy tended to do better and serious adverse events were very low, basically 1% in each arm. There was only one serious adverse event of a serious infection in the combination arm, no opportunistic infections, and there was only one 
malignancy identified in the guselcumab monoclonal antibody group during the trial, which went out for more than 34 weeks. So certainly as a proof of concept study, this looks good. And again, I think it goes back to our readers and listeners that want to know what happens now in the real world, meaning there are some ongoing combination therapy studies, but in the real world, we've got patients who have moderate to severe inflammatory bowel disease and they failed anti-TNF therapy plus azathioprine and they're dependent on steroids. And it's like, okay, how are we going to combine a small molecule with an anti-interleukin antibody with an anti-integrin monoclonal antibody? And so you're the expert. How do you want to handle all those things? Juggling, picking for an ingredient from category A and category B. Yes, it certainly seems like that. So it's like the biologic salad. But you know, I'll start off by saying that I think increasingly for most patients with moderate to severe ulcerative colitis, and of course, there's always going to be exceptions to everything I say, and IBD still remains a little bit of an art and not an exact science. But I think first-line biologic therapy for those patients who have filled a mesalamine agent should be probably vetalizumab, at least based on the varsity trial. You know, we know that it is actually superior to adalimumab when used as a first-line biologic agent. And so I still very much try even for the severe ulcerative colitis, you know, unless they're hospitalized, of course, to use a course of corticosteroids for induction and, uh, and betalizumab for that outpatient with moderate to severe ulcerative colitis. Now, there may be a whole host of reasons why one should be using infliximab, and I do continue to use infliximab in combination with a thiopurine when needed, remembering and counseling my patients that the thiopurine is short-term to prevent immunogenicity that was shown very nicely in the PANTS trial, that using combination therapy for an anti-TNF and a thiopurine may even overcome a genetic predisposition to develop antibodies to anti-TNF agents. So so that's still kind of the standard go-to. But for that person who has failed a first-line biologic and a second-line biologic, I do think it's you know worth having a conversation around surgery because remembering that ulcerative colitis and, and Crohn's disease still do have some role for surgical management. But I do understand the hesitation to jump straight to surgery because, again, these are not limited resections. Surgery for ulcerative colitis is a total proctocolectomy, oftentimes either with an end ileostomy or, or an ileal pouch anal anastomosis, both of which come with major lifestyle changes. So it's not that you have a surgery and you get back to normal. So I do understand the hesitation to jump straight to surgery, but we do want to bring the surgeon into that conversation conversation once they've failed two or three advanced therapies early so the patient knows their options. Let's say a patient has failed first-line vetalizumab, then we went to an anti-TNF agent in short-term combination with a thiopurine and they failed that too. For ulcerative colitis, the next line, you know, for me, especially at this point, they've usually have pretty severe disease, is a JAK inhibitor. And remembering that JAK inhibitors are labeled in the United States to be used after failure of an anti-TNF agent. Some of this is also dictated by speed of approval. So combination biologic therapy for IBD is by no means the standard. And the patients that I have that are on it, it, it actually took quite a while, when I say quite a while anywhere, you 
you know, between one and four weeks, sometimes even longer, to get approval for both biologic agents at Crohn's dosing. So it's a little bit different if the dermatologist was prescribing Trumphia for the psoriasis and I was using, let's say, adalimumab because that tends to be the more commercially used biologic in, in IBD or patients been through two other TNFs and I was using golimumab. So that's different than the dosing that we're talking about here. And we don't want to sit and wait on a very sick patient for four weeks or six weeks. And so the, the real world barriers um, do become quite real. And, and so that's why this study is very important because I think it is a proof of concept to insurers that one, this is set to be a new standard in IBD. Two, it's relatively, excuse me, safe. And there's no real reason to withhold this if we think it's going to produce more durable and uh, sustained remission. So that's yet to be seen as well. But in the combination arm here, it was actually very interesting. They used the golimumab as a short-term agent when the guzelcumab was the continuous agent, um, as opposed to using either one of them for the full 34-week study. And so I think this is uh, definitely an interesting trial that will start changing practice. But until we can implement that quickly in the real world, we are continuing our, our standard practice now. There's a lot of creative combinations that are needed. Just to be precise, although combination biologic therapy certainly isn't the standard of care now, and there can be barriers with insurance, for patients that have failure with anti-TNF on an individual basis, I know you're using some combination biologic therapy on a case-by-case -case basis. And as you said earlier, just to reinforce for our listeners, one of the combinations you have used is an anti-integrant monoclonal antibody, meaning vetalizumab, plus a JAK1 inhibitor, meaning ubidacinitinib. And that may be a combination you've gone to more recently in patients who may not be candidates for surgery. Am I, I, I don't want to miss. Yeah, not, not, I would say probably not quite in that if they're not a candidate for surgery, you know, I would argue why, why are they not a candidate for surgery if that's what they absolutely need? Acute severe ulcerative colitis can be life-threatening and the older you get, the more life-threatening it is. Let's say that they don't want to get surgery. Right. So it's more for the patient who says, you know, at no cost am I getting surgery? And this is the outpatient, remembering not the inpatient. So there are, you know, other strategies. Usually they've been through, you know, a biologic, a, a TNF biologic and maybe another biologic. And so at that point, it might be reasonable to consider a small molecule. For the patient, and I am seeing some of them where they've only, quote unquote, failed or rather had an anti-TNF fail them. I'll start a jack inhibitor first. The beauty of these jack inhibitors, both tofacitinib and nupatacitinib, are that you see a very, very fast response. So within a week or two, we should know, is this working? Is this not working? Now, if we think it's working enough, you know, in a few months after we confirm that there's some endoscopic improvement with these jack inhibitors, we can start a selective biologic in the background with the hope that that might then be their maintenance therapy. So it's almost sequential, and then the jack inhibitor can come off, you know, once they've really achieved a durable endoscopic remission. 
So it's the same concept in IBD, you know, hit hard up front and then start to come down. So the combination arm is two medications for 10 weeks and then one medication going on. But just that second medication is a TNF agent here. So that is why this is such an exciting study, I think. I think our listeners can just be reassured that there are multiple ongoing trials looking at different combinations of biologics in both UC and Crohn's disease. Thanks again for joining me today, Barthi. That was great. For our listeners, please remember to subscribe to Evidence-Based GI on your favorite podcast platform. And please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. Our handle there is at ACG underscore EBGI. And we host weekly tutorials of EBGI summaries every Wednesday night. And then finally, please look for Dr. Kochar's summary in the October 2023 issue of EBGI. That'll be sent out by blast email from the ACG on the 18th of October. And you can also find it on the website. Thanks again for listening today.